My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope. our hands and lift our voices, lift our praise to God right now. Lord, we come to bless you this morning. We come to magnify your name, Jesus. Come to exalt you this day, God, for you are truly great and greatly to be praised. And we magnify you. We extol you, God, and we give all honor and glory and praise to you this morning. Amen. What a great privilege it is to be in the house of God today, to honor Him and to experience His presence all over again. It's an amazing thing about God. He, he is new each day in that respect that He can provide whatever you need today, even if it's different than what you needed yesterday. He, he's able to do, as the Bible said, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And what a, what a great promise and consolation that is to us because we don't always face the same things. We don't always uh, experience the same events. But whatever it is, whatever it is that comes our way, it doesn't catch him by surprise. And he's well able to provide whatever you need in the midst of that situation. Amen. You need strength. He'll be your strength. You need peace. He's a speaker of peace. You need protection or provision or whatever it is. You name it. You need healing in your body. God is all of those things and everything, everything else that you would ever need above what you can ask or think. Amen. So we go to the word of the Lord this morning. It is, a, again, a privilege to experience his presence and to be in service with you here today in the book of 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 7. We're going to read uh, the first and the second verse, and then we'll read from 2 Samuel chapter 6. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 1, the Bible said, And the men of Kirthjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill, and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. I bring your attention to that second verse, that the ark was there for a long time. Twenty years. Twenty years. Chapter 6 of Second Samuel, verse number 9. David is moving that ark from the house of Abinadab to Jerusalem. Or actually, he's not moving it from the house of Abinadab, but he is moving it from the house of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. And verse number 9 said, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Forgive me there. We'll get that straightened out in just a minute. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. This is where we will see him taking it, not 
taking it from the house of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. He previously trying to take it to Jerusalem from the house of Abinadab, he has to divert and take it to the house of Obed-Edom. And verse 11 says, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So the ark has dwelt, been at the house of Abinadab 20 years. Now David's moving it to Jerusalem, and something happens, which is a familiar incident to us, to many. And in that incident, David becomes afraid of the presence of God. He becomes afraid of that that ark, and he diverts, and he takes it to the house of Obed-Edom. And so this morning, from these, this situation and event, I just, uh, really I had about 15 different titles that I could have wanted to apply to this. So I'll, I won't recite them all, but I'll recite some of them. From Gath to Jerusalem. From protector to protected. From keeper to kept. From many, many things that Obed-Edom became to that ark. But God flipped the script on him and became all of those things to Obed-Edom, his lineage, his family, and so much more. So today, just if you need a title, let's just title it From Gath to Jerusalem. And the Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. We speak of the Ark of the Covenant, which to most Bible students or people who are familiar with the Bible know that it was uh, ordained of God that this ark be built. It represented to Israel the presence of God in their midst. It contained the mercy seat on the top overlaid with gold there, cherubims on each end, looking down at that place of sacrifice on the mercy seat. The symbol of God's presence to Israel in that day and hour, the Ark of the Covenant. In this intricate design, in this magnificent design of the Ark of the Covenant, we see the very splendor and the majesty of God in the natural realm. Such an ornate and, and beautiful thing this Ark of the Covenant was. And the Philistines took that Ark... And, uh, of course, they, part of the reason they took it was because of the great value of it. But uh, they, they tended to think, perhaps, that they could appropriate the power of God in, in, in their own lives and in their own nation and so forth. And yet what they experienced was not the power of God positively. They experienced the power of God negatively in their life. They took that ark and they quickly realized that the God of the Israelites was a whole lot different than the gods of the Philistines. Because this God of the Israelites was not only uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and to them perhaps that wasn't evidently clear, but what did become clear to them was that this God was a, a God that really was alive and well, and that this God was a God of great power and great authority. In fact, he had power over Dagon, their God, because their God ended up on his face with his palms severed, amen, and uh, not to arise again, and it was up to them to replace their idol God that had fallen before the presence of this Israelite 
uh, Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God to them, they quickly realized that the Israelite God was different than any other God, and they chose to get rid of that Ark because of the mayhem that it brought upon them. So the Ark is removed, and it is placed in the house of Abinadab. Now, there again... There is some debate about exactly how long it was there, but with certainty, with certainty, I can say this, it was there for at least 20 years because we read that very specifically out of the word of the Lord. David becomes king over Israel in the time that this ark is at the house of Abinadab, and in his desire to establish Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, he desires to bring that ark home to where it should rightfully be in his eyes and, and even, I would say, in the eyes of God at the very center of the Israelite nation because it's of certainty that if God is not at the center of a person's life, then you've really got him in the wrong place in your life. Our lives have to be built around him. He must be the center of our life. He must be the focus of our life. He must receive the preeminence in all things. If he's just on the fringes of your life, then you really don't have him in your life at all. So he needs to be the focus of your life. He needs to be the center of your attention. And so David wants to bring the ark to Jerusalem. And, and, and this is a commendable and, and, and it's an appropriate thing that he wants to do. But you see, God gave Moses very specific instructions about how to move that ark. He gave him very specific instructions. He didn't say just move it at random or whatever way is convenient or however you want to do it. No, God said this is the way that you move that ark, very specific in his instructions. And those instructions apparently at this moment in time to David have either been lost or somehow he doesn't have the knowledge of exactly how to transport that ark from one place to another and his intentions are really good you, you got to give him that his intentions are good and they're right and he wants to do this his intentions his intentions are really good but can I submit to you this morning that that good intentions without the knowledge and application or obedience to God's prescribed instructions leads one astray. And in David's instance, it led to the death of a man named Uzzah simply because David, even with his good intentions, uh, did not do it the way that God wanted him to do it. I've heard it said good intentions pave the road to hell, and that's a, that's a very accurate statement. I can say, well, you know, in my heart, I, I love God and I want to do right. That's good. That's commendable. But if you don't do it the way that God wants you to do it, if you don't obey the word of the Lord, if you don't do it the way that God prescribes it to be done, then you are in danger of, of coming in conflict with your God. His intentions were good. You see, when the Philistines moved the ark in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 7, they moved it on a new cart. David apparently... I mean, this is all that I can discern from it. He apparently took his lead or cue from the Philistines. Rather than looking to the instructions of God on how to move that ark, looking into the law, 
looking into the, 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 the Scripture, he seems to take lead from the, from the Philistines because that's the way they moved it. They, create, they made a new cart. They put it on it. They, they wanted to get it away from them, and they used that new cart. David does a very similar, exacting same thing. He makes a cart, and they place the ark on that cart. Now, David's been king for seven years at this point. He had ample time to find out how to move that cart in accordance with the instruction of God. I, I'm not going to submit to you today why he didn't exactly know why, but I do know this. He had been king seven years before he tried to move it. Ample time to find out God's method. Can I submit to you again that if you try to do things, that if you try to do the works of God with the methods of the world, they will not work. Amen. you got to do it God's way. You say, well, I want to do it my way. Well, our way will always lead us to a wrong end. The Bible said, lean not to your own understanding. But, brother, embrace the instruction of God. Embrace the Word of God. Embrace uh, the uh, the instruction. Uh, uh, Instructions of this word, and you'll experience the, uh, the promises of God in your life. If you just want to do it your way, then you're going to have the results of what your way would bring to fruition. I'd rather believe. I'd, I'd rather do it God's way. I'd rather do it God's way. I'd rather do it God's way and receive the blessing of God that comes with obedience uh, to the word of the Lord. Amen. It, you, you can't. You can't, you don't go to the world to figure out the things of God. You go to God, you go to his word, you go to this book to find out about the things of God. Strictly from the biblical text, we know very little about Uzzah. The man who, in his good intentions, reached up to stay an ark that appeared to him to be about to fall off of a cart. And, you know, when you think about it, you say, well, he, he was doing a good thing. Well, you know, but he wasn't doing it God's way. It wasn't God's way. And he reached up to stay the ark. First off, they were moving it incorrectly. But secondly, amen, God's well able to take care of himself. Hey, I'll tell you this, if you have to try to prop something up, if you have to try to prop your belief up through something other than the Word of God, then you need to change your belief because the Word of God is forever settled in heaven and you can trust and believe that what it says, brother, amen, will not only come to fruition in every respect, but every blessing of God that is in this book, whatever it requires, if you abide by it, you will experience the promise of God accordingly you know the, they, they, these well these promise books they usually uh, and they're good they're wonderful they're, they're great read them they're, they really are but they generally don't ever tell you what's required they just want to tell you oh God's going to bless you well I'm here, I'm here to tell you God's going to bless you if if matter of fact he said it this way you'll eat the good of the land if you obey the word of God so there's this conditional uh, uh, response from God according to our response to the word of the Lord. Amen. So, But from a strictly biblical text, Uzzah, uh, the, all we know is he was the son of Abinadab, whose house the ark had been in for 20 years. This man had been around that ark 
for quite some time. His intentions in attempting to steady it were, again, no doubt good intentions. But good intentions are no substitute for adherence to and obedience to God's instructions. His good intentions were perhaps born of ignorance or perhaps familiarity. Because you see, sometimes we can become so familiar with something that it doesn't have the same impact on us that it would or that it did when it was fresh and when it was new and when it was uh, vibrant and when it was alive in us. And yeah, I know we get older and we're not as, you know, we can't jump as high as we used to and we can't run as fast as we used to and we can't shout like we used to. But I, I, I do submit this to you. Amen. Don't let what you did yesterday amen become the crutch that you lean on in doing limited things today today is the day of salvation God is worthy today I will enter into his courts with thanksgiving into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise when will I do that today today in whatever limited ability that I have Amen. Yeah, I can't jump as high as I used to. I used to could slam. Well, no, I couldn't. I mean, I always imagined that I could, okay? So I got that straight. I didn't lie to you. I could just see myself, but it never happened. Not a single time. But, well, never mind. But Uzzah's good intentions, Uzzah's good intentions, again, Whatever the reason, ignorance, familiarity, the lack of response to God's specific instruction would have brought the same response from God. There's an old saying that uh, I know you've heard before, and that saying goes something like this. It says, ignorance of the law. Can somebody finish that for me? is no excuse. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uzzah may not have known. We can submit that, and perhaps that is the case. But that is no excuse, no reason. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 5, verse number 17, if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not or knew it not, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. If you've ever wondered where that saying came from, I believe that's a good starting point right there. Ignorance of the law. Even if he didn't know it, he was still accountable to it. And so it is that we are accountable to this book. We are accountable to the Word of God. In the, go, in the domain of God, there is clear distinctions concerning what's right and what's wrong. And no matter what one's motives is, I mean, I'm, I'm all for good motives. I'd rather somebody have good motives than bad motives. 
Amen. But there is assuredly, and there is sure, uh, there is assuredly a time and a place for emotions to be engaged and involved. But can I uh, encourage you to not simply rely on what your heart feels about a situation, but find out what thus saith the word of the of the Lord about a situation? Because if you respond to any event or circumstance that you face in life uh, according to the instructions of the Word of God, I promise you. I stand here today and promise you, you will come out a winner in that situation. 20 years, Uzzah had been around that presence of God. And in the house of Abinadab, that ark had remained. 20 years. And yet, we read to you this morning, and we'll reference it again, but we see a difference here. 20 years in the house of Abinadab, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm open to somebody showing me for sure, but I, never, I do not find a reference that says this, that while that ark was in the house of Abinadab, the house of Abinadab was blessed. I don't find that. But what I do find is this, that three months, three months in the house of Obed-Edom, and the Bible said he was blessed and his household was blessed. In three months, the presence of God dwelling in his house, and this man was blessed above measure. You don't have to believe it, but in the, in the rabbinical historical uh, records of Obed-Edom, it talks about how his neighbors began to see exactly how blessed he really was. And, and it begins to tell all the things uh, that happened in his life, uh, uh, mainly in regard to his lineage, to his children, uh, and the blessing that God gave him. Because, see, children are a blessing that comes from the Lord. Amen. But we, we see that, that this man was blessed because the presence of God was there. David, in that moment of time when Uzzah touched that, that, that ark and was, was smitten by God, became afraid, and he diverts his track from Jerusalem, and he takes it to the house of Obed-Edom. God blesses that house. And he blesses it because the presence of the Lord is there and the presence of the Lord is welcomed there. Because in his presence, not our presence, but in his presence, in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to encourage somebody here right now because, you know, many times we find ourselves with the state of mind that, that, that we're, and it's not necessarily just us dwelling on something, but it's an enemy that's trying to sell you a raw bill of goods and tell you that you are bound or you are limited or you are this or, or you are that. But I want to submit to you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, who's got the Spirit of the Lord in your life today? Well, brother, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible said, uh, there is liberty. So if you have the Holy Ghost here today, you have inherent liberty in your life. You don't have to say, I'm bound. You don't have to accept uh, the lies of hell, but you can say, I am free because he that the Son has set free is free indeed. And where he is, where God is, where the presence of the Lord is, uh, 
Brother, there is liberty and freedom to worship, to praise him, to exalt him, to glorify him, to defy hell and say, my God is worthy of all my praise and adoration. Would you give God a good hand clap of praise? Would you bless him today? You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be quiet and silent and hold your peace. Lift up the name of Jesus. Because where his spirit is, there is liberty. Amen. And Obed-Edom said, man, the presence of God, it means so much. It's so valuable to me. It, it's, it's so important to me. It's, it's, it's just, it, it, it moves me. It compels me. It, it affected Obed-Edom so much that when David came back to get that ark, Obed-Edom didn't stay in Gath. He packed up everything. Everything. All his family. Everybody. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going with the ark. I'm going wherever God leads, wherever God takes me, whatever God is looking for, that's what I'm going to do because I, I've experienced it for three months uh, and I, I refuse to go back uh, to where I was. Uh, amen. Man, I, I, I just can't grasp it in my mind uh, how somebody can taste of God uh, and then turn around and go back to the beggarly elements of the world as if, uh, as if uh, they had something better to offer nobody can do you like Jesus man we used to sing a song can't nobody do you like Jesus can't nobody do me like Jesus can't nobody do me like the Lord oh but Edom got a taste of that and he said I'm going to Jerusalem I'm leaving everything else behind now he's been blessed brother amen three months him and his household blessed you know, he could have just stayed at home in Gath with the blessings that he'd already received. He could have said, man, God did this, 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 and this. Oh, I'm good. Uh-uh. He got a taste of it, and he said, man, wherever that ark's going, count me in. Count me in. I'm going. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to stay back. I'm not going to, uh, you know, whatever God's done for you in the past is commendable and wonderful and great, and you should praise God for it. But don't let the past uh, be a hindrance to what God wants to do in your life right here, right now, what God wants to do in the world right here, right now. Don't let past blessings uh, hinder current it's a, a, events or blessings uh, upon your life. Don't just live in yesterday's victories. I, I'm telling you, God's ready to give people victory right now. Right now, today. He just wants you to say, hey, wherever the Spirit of God goes, wherever the presence of God goes, wherever God leads me, that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going, wherever God takes me. Amen. The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. He could have remained there in Gath and lived off the blessing of God that had came his way, but he chose to go with the presence of God. Amen. He had a choice to make. The ark is leaving. God's moving. Much like Israel in the wilderness. Amen. They could have followed the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
That's what God said to do. Follow, follow the leading of God. Amen. Or they could have just stayed right where they were at and they, who knows what would have happened to them. But when God begins to move, when he begins to move, it doesn't mean he's going to move you to Timbuktu. Doesn't mean he's going to move you to wherever it is. It might mean that. But it doesn't mean it necessarily. I, you know, it doesn't mean he's going to take you off the pew of a church here and move you to a church, uh, amen, 150 or 200. Oh, he might. But some people get caught up in moving geographically when God's interested in moving you spiritually. God wants to elevate you spiritually. He wants to take you to higher places in Him. Amen. And our, our obstinance sometimes gets in the way of what God wants to do in our life. We just have to say yes and amen to what God wants in our life, and then God will do what He desires to do in us and through us. Amen. Obedidum had a choice to make. I think people have a choice to make today. Will we follow the leading of God or will we stay where we're at and live off of what God has already done? Will we live off past victories or will we grow in grace and in knowledge of God in our relationship with the Lord? Amen. He had a choice. He could, he could go, he could stay. He could stay or he could go. He could go with the ark or, and stay in the presence of God or he could choose to simply remain in Gath. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, amen, verse 16, David has brought that ark to Jerusalem. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. So the Levites appointed Heman, the son of Joel, and of his brethren, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and of the sons of Merathir, brethren, Ethan, the son of Cushai, and with them, their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, Jeziel, Shimaroth, Jehiel, Una, Eliab, Beniah, Messiah, and Matthia, Matatia, and Elathila, and these guys. Am I all right doing that, Brother Nelson? Thank you. Man, I don't even, pre I don't even present myself as being able to quote all of that correctly, so don't hold me to it, please. But I know I wasn't cussing. But I do want to get to this point. Out of all of that, and Obed-Edom, and Jael the, the porters. Obed-Edom came to Jerusalem, and he became a porter. He became a gatekeeper. He became a doorkeeper. Now, he's experienced the presence of God, and at this point, he says, that presence is more important than anything else to me. I don't need position. I need presence. I don't need accolades. I need presence. 
I don't need, amen, a pat on the back per se. Amen. Oh, everybody appreciates them. But what I need is the presence of the Almighty God. I can't make it. I can't live. I don't want to try to exist without the presence of God being a flowing force in my life. It's got to be more than just convenience. It's got to be more than just a patty cake with Jesus. It's got to be more than just a a familiar setting. It's got to be a consuming passion. Could you lift your hands and feel after God with me right now? Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Obed-Edom said, I don't need prestige. I don't need recognition. But there, and there's a lesson here. Amen. He lived in the sentiments of the psalmist. The psalmist who said, for a day, a day, in thy courts is better than a thousand. He said, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He was living the sentiments of the psalmist. He became a a living expression or witness of that desire that says, "Amen, I I I gotta I gotta have the presence of God." And if I'm if I'm just a doorkeeper, that's okay because as a doorkeeper, Amen, I'm in the house of God. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I'm in the house of of, of peace. I'm in the house of prayer. I'm in the presence of the Almighty. First Chronicles 16, because you see the thing about it, when you follow on to know the Lord, and I encourage somebody here this morning, you know, you've came a long way. Please don't stop where you're at. Please don't stop where you're at. Because I'm going to tell you, God's able to take you further than you can ever imagine in your own mind. Mm. I can tell you, no matter what heights we attain, there's always more of God to be attained to. I can tell you, Jesus will never let you down. He'll never forsake you. He'll never, he'll never fail you. And that hunger and that thirst and that desire in our heart will inspire us to lay everything else aside and press our way in to touch him. Obed-Edom experienced blessings the three months that the ark was in his house. And he followed and went to Jerusalem. And he became a porter a gatekeeper in the house of God. First Chronicles 15, verse 19. Sorry. First Chronicles 15, verse 19. Said, and with their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, and he goes and he, and he lists these names again, the porters. So the singers, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan, were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. And Zechariah and Isaiah, and he goes through these different ones, amen, that were worshiping and praising God with psalteries. In verse 21, and Mattatiah and Eliphila and Micnaiah and Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. Jael and Azaziah 
with harps on the shimmoneth to excel. So he's went, if you will allow me, he went from a doorkeeper to now he's a, a musician, if you want to. He's worshiping God as a musician. He's received a permanent appointment in the house of God because his expressed desire and love for God, his faithfulness in the duties of a gatekeeper, of a doorkeeper, prompted a continuous blessing of God in his life. And he's mentioned along with Asaph as a worship leader. And yet he's still fulfilling the duties of that gatekeeper. And he's blessed with sons that become storekeepers. His lineage is blessed. His family is blessed because he pursued after the presence of God. And it all started with a desire, a desire to please God, to serve God, to not simply live on yesterday's blessing, but to daily engage, continually engage with the presence of God. Obed-Edom's faithfulness brought the faithfulness of God to bear in his life and in his family's life. I, I say that some want the blessing of God without the commitment. Some want the blessing of God without faithfulness. Obed-Edom experienced the blessing of God because of commitment and because of faithfulness. The blessing of God throughout his time of service was present in his life and in his family because he was willing. In fact, he was desirous of staying in the presence of God. And I understand, you know, I, I realize that there's differences. You know, there's different. There, this is different than walking in the world each day and just knowing that God is with me. But I can assure you that wherever we're at, whatever's happening around us, no matter whether it be in our home or whether it be on the job or whether it be in the store, no matter where it's at, the presence of God is there to be experienced. He experienced it. He experienced the presence of God because he looked for ways to do things for the kingdom. He didn't look for ways to not do things. Have you ever known anybody that worked harder at not working than they did at work? It always amazed me. They worked harder, harder at not working. I'm like, just do the job, bro. It goes a lot easier on everybody. Just do the job. And God says, just do the job. Just, just know that I'm available. Just know that, that, that if you draw nigh to me, he said, I'm going to draw nigh to you. Oh, man, the presence of God that we feel, that I feel this morning, the presence of God issues that invitation that says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. That presence of God where we experience that fullness of joy. Amen. God blesses those who look for ways to please Him. Obed-Edom realized there was something about the presence of God. He didn't know all the nuances and ins and outs of it. He just knew, well, three months ago this was my situation in life, and today it's totally different. And wherever that art goes... Wherever the presence of God goes, that's where I'm going. 
He left everything to stay with God. He refused to settle for past victories when opportunity was available for present accessibility. And as great as God has been, He has not changed. The best is still yet to come. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. Would you give him a good hand clap of praise? Would you lift your hands and your voice and invite him into your life? Invite him into your situation. Invite him, amen, into your circumstance. Invite him into our world. Amen. Invite him into this place today. Amen. God desires for you to come boldly before the throne of grace. He hasn't changed. The best is always yet to come. Wine, oh, there's, I don't have to go into those examples. You know them. The best wine saved for last because the best is always yet to come. You say, man, God done so many great things. Well, please, amen, rejoice in those things. Rejoice in them. But don't limit God right here, right now. Don't limit him right here, right now because I'm telling you, Jesus is in the house. Jesus has showed up again. You know, he never ceases to amaze me. His word is forever settled in heaven. Not one dotting of the I, not one crossing of the T will ever fail. And when God said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. When he said, God inhabits the praises of his people, guess what? He'll be there. He'll show up. And when he shows up, whoo, man, when he shows up, hallelujah. When Jesus shows up, brother, whoo, hallelujah. When the presence of the Lord begins to move through a house of God, when he breathes on us, I'm telling you, Jesus is breathing right now. Hallelujah. Amen. The wind of Pentecost blowing through the house of God. Oh, I don't I don't see the palm trees waving, but I feel the presence of the Lord in the house of God. He hasn't changed. You say, "Well, I don't feel anything." Well, let me encourage you. Lift up your hand. Lift up your eyes. Elevate your faith and expectation and say, hey, amen, I know that I came here. If you came here to praise God, you can be assured of this. Uh, There's a lot of people came here to praise God today. And where praise is offered, God will inhabit those praises. Jesus is here right now. Right now. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Hungry, thirsty. Amen. I'm not parched today in the spirit because my God has fulfilled and satisfied and provided all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Would you just close your eyes with me? We're, we're about to, I'm about to close, I promise. We used to sing an old chorus, and I know, I know Sister Strobel will sing an appropriate chorus this morning. Beyond any doubt in my mind, 
I appreciate her sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. We used to sing an old song. You don't have to sing it. I'm not, I'm not implying that, sister. But this chorus said, In the presence of the Lord, I find peace, I find joy. Your glory fills the temple. Our hearts in one accord. Fear and doubt fade away at the mention of your precious name. Everything I need is in the presence. Everything you need is in the presence. Everything you need, hallelujah, is in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I encourage you right now to lift your voice. That's right. Lift your voice. Everything you need is in the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is in this house right here, right now. Everything you need. Peace. Joy. Strength. Healing. Hope. Everything you need is in the presence of the Lord. Amen. While, while she sings today, I ask you to lift your hand and feel after God. Amen. Please don't leave here this morning the same way that you came. Amen. You don't have to. Amen. Even as Obed-Edom was a gatekeeper, you can come in the north and leave the south. You can come in the east and leave the west. Amen. You can come in and be changed by the presence of God. And while we sing this morning... Let's feel after him. We'll reach out to him this morning. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.